Happy five-year anniversary to Dr. Stone. And to celebrate, we're doing a bonus episode celebrating the end of one of the most unique manga series ever. So hold on to your butts and get excited. We're going to go over the basic plot of Dr. Stone so you can understand when we rip into the ending and dissect it like a frog for the mantles of aliens. I'm Minty. And I'm Annie. And this is Fun and Title, where we serve every podcast with an F you. So, spoiler alert, we're going to go over not be the whole plot of Dr. Stone, but how it got to the end, what the ending was about, and how we feel about it. So first off, very basic um summary before we get into details. So the main character, his name is Senku Ishigami, and he lives in the modern world. And then suddenly, everyone gets turned to stone. Then millions of years later, he pops out of his stone, and he is in charge of rebuilding society. Because everything has gone and eroded away. There's just trees and monkeys. And as the smoothest monkey around, he decides that... He needs to start civilization from scratch. He's like a prodigy, a science nerd, a lover of NASA and engineering and all that is good in science. And he's starting from the bottom, working his way up to build like from simple tools to like massive machinery. That guy, Bell Grylls in Man vs. Wild, he would be ashamed that he couldn't do half the things Senku can. I mean, he starts off with, like, reviving his best friend from the petrification, his crush, the strongest high school primate, to eventually to the point where it's like he found other humans that were not petrified because there was a group of astronauts who was able to avoid the petrification beam. And he's working with these humans to fight the human primate, Sukasa, who's trying to make a world of no science of where it's just pure humans just being humans and that's just, you know, in a sense not human and this is called the stone wars arc and it can really be summed down to one sentence senku oh i found out bat poop can bring humans back to life from stone sukasa i don't think we should put poop on any adults and senku that's not cool i watched jimmy neutron we need adults oh my god that one shitty movie <laughs> it was a movie that launched a thousand cartoon episodes to be fair though sukasa's logic never made sense and this is basically season one and two of like fighting against sukasa and teaming up with the ishigami village and like at first it's the science is fairly simple in a sense. You know, it's within like natural resources. It teaches kids how to easily make gunpowder. <laughs> easily. You can find it at the grocery store. Just put a list, put it on your dog, send your dog to the grocery store and they'll fill it for you. You joke about that, but that is my dream to teach a dog how to do that. So going beyond season two, Senku has a dream to sail the world and gather resources to create anything he wants to create. And th this part will, will skim through. I mean, it's just basically called the exploration era. Or is it discovery? I forget. Where it's a lot of engineering the big things. Um, like um, concrete. No, not concrete. Whatever you make roads. Asphalt. Asphalt. Hot air balloons. Shit. Ships. Ships. The basis of like you need to travel to other locations to make things. He gains team members like Rusui, who's the man who desires everything. AKA number three in the popularity poll. And using Rusui's great navigation skills, the first thing they want to do is go get the petrification beam. Figure out where like the start of it happened and what happened there. They go to South America. They find out about the petrification device. If I remember correctly, I believe they originally started in South America. 
And then the Ishigami village people branched off away because they were sailors at heart and they wanted to explore. Yeah, right, because that's where the spaceship was with the platinum. Well, kind of glossing over um, Sanku's dad, Byakuya, but he was the astronaut that escaped the petrification beam. So they go to Treasure Island, you know, they find one of the petrification Medusa rings. So that's how they know what's turning people into stone. Using that, they start they start building more, right? Not, not necessarily in Treasure Island, but they were able to figure out, there's someone sending radio signals from the moon. They're afraid the guy on the moon that they had dubbed Y-Man will turn everyone back to stone. So they're making a rocket ship by building major cities all over the world. First place they go to is America for the corn city. And they find the two gayest men. <laughs> like, holy... Like, I didn't think America would have the gayest men. Well... How does Senku become the smartest teenager in, like, the whole goddamn world? He had a sensei, basically, in America who was, like, this NASA scientist who was able to cultivate and not raise Senku, but, like, really get him thinking and get him exposed to a lot of, like, rocket science. And it turns out that his old master that he must now defeat because he has turned a little bit evil and the first thing that man created was, like, a gun. So Senku He created, like, an army. He made a militia with all the corn. His teacher's name is Zeno. Zeno brought back an army using just brain power. Like he told everyone before they got petrified, hey, just think really hard and you break out of the stone. So, but he doesn't know how Senku does it. And Senku's like, oh, I can revive the dumbest of people with just bat poop and platinum. So they have a little war. Oh yeah, another war, right? Because, I mean, essentially, Zeno does not necessarily want Senku to do his plan of reviving all 7 billion people. So this art gets really dark. They basically are racing down, again, South America. Actually, I don't think... Treasure Island was on an island that was, like, in the South American seas, I believe, but not. But now they're, like, in, like, the continental land of South America. And they have the Medusa thing, so they're kind of playing fast and loose with human lives because if someone dies, they can use the Medusa to turn them into stone and it will heal all the wounds. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. But that's a little hint, y'all, of what the Medusa is supposed to be for. I mean, this is essentially why this story is called Dr. Stone. There's another point in the way beginning in season one where he was like, this is essentially the Dr. Stone, but really the, the Medusa device is the Dr. Stone. Yeah, I don't know why they first called Soap Dr. Stone. I mean, kind of. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of not the point. So, like I said, Zeno is really gay. So, Senku kind of holds the Zeno's lover as hostage after he defeats him. And he's like, hey, Zeno, you're a NASA scientist. You're going to help us get into space. Yes, because their trump card was to petrify everyone. On the whole gosh darn planet. Yeah, they basically wide man themselves. But they set up a contraption so that way Suika... A little it watermelon. It wasn't supposed to be Suika, but for her to one day get the bat poop to fall on her so that she can unpetrify. And she spends seven years figuring out how to create more bat poop to unpetrify everyone everyone else. Now that we defeated Zeno and we're holding his lover hostage, the last arc is literally them making a rocket ship. We're not unfamiliar with doing a bunch of invention, like we said, the, a discovery arc. So we was used to the part of the course of them building things really fast to get into space. I mean, season one was like the first one, right? Then that discovery arc, and then this is like the third time. But this is like the discovery arc on steroids. Like we're making touch phones. We're making computers. It's insane. It's You gotta imagine that with rocket science being like one of the most complex sciences besides what Big Bang Theory made that joke about. It is 
intense. This is like beyond science. This is science and engineering and like hypothetical situations because you have to deal with being in space. I mean, the, having the NASA scientist kind of takes out some of those variables, but you're using like these primitive tools to get you to it. And it's just like, wow. So we go through all this and then the last few chapters is them actually succeeding in making a rocket ship. Now y'all, this is where we get into serious spoiler territories. So they go into space, shenanigans kind of ensue, and they finally find Y-Man on the moon, aka the source of what's been petrifying the entire world. Aliens. Essentially, yes. The petrification device is Y-Man. It's, would you say like a hive mind? Yes, I would say that. It's a hive mind of like millions of petrification devices that have a singular mind to petrify the human race because they are a parasitic alien that is looking for an intelligence life form to help them live forever. They don't know how to do it and this is where it gets a little complicated. I'm not 100% understanding so you can correct me when I'm wrong, Annie. But they petrified humanity to give them essentially internal life and because thinking and human brain power is the way to break out of the petrification only the smartest could come out of the petrification and that's how Senku and Zeno was the first people who ever got out of the petrification at the same time right and they were hoping that these were the people who were gonna like figure out how to keep the Y-Man species alive. They never renamed the Y-Man species, which I think is a little dumb. I mean, I think it's just the Medusas, right? That's true. That's another name we can call them. So the Medusas, they can talk and all that jazz, but oxygen is poison to them. So when they were fell onto Earth, they were like corroding and like dying. And that's why they couldn't talk to them on Earth. So they were hoping they zapped them because they're intelligent. They come out of the stones and they're like, oh, um, if you keep giving us eternal life, we'll make more of you guys because the most important thing is to survive and reproduce. But the Y-Men was disappointed in the humans because they didn't break out of the rocks. That means they were dumb and they were losing hope in humanity. That's why when Senku was able to build a strong radio wave that could allow them to communicate with like people on the moon, they said, why? Why, 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 why? And that's how they got the name Y-Man. It's weird because they're like, why did you break out of the pet? and it's like, hey, um, Y-Man, how are they gonna make more of y'all if they're petrified? I don't really understand this. It seems like you have a giant flaw that you're mad that they broke out of petrification, but you also want them to do things that they can't do petrified. Yeah, I think they were like hoping that the people would come out and would try to somehow find immortality through this, somehow use the technology of petrification to live forever but that was just never Senku and his cohort's plan so he was very upset and to the point where they have a small talk with Senku and the conclusion was we're just gonna leave because we need to find a smarter species and we said hive mind but there was one device that decided I want to stay with you humans because there is a non-zero percent chance that you guys could be the one to figure out how to find immortality no 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 don't word it like that, word it like this. Senku put him in a vacuum tube that took all the oxygen out and it fell in love with Senku. Like, ooh, woo, all these other people on the moon, they never saw what you could do. I saw it. I'm in love with you, Senku. I mean, that's one way to look at it, for and sure. I do want them to be OTP. So Senku returns back to Earth with the one singular Y-Man device that can speak. And basically, he's praised as a hero because he was able to save humanity. And it's true. I mean... It kind of seemed like they were going to go on their own, but I think it was important that Senku went up 
to give the Y-Man species definitive proof that humanity is not the species that was going to bring them immortality. So the very last chapter, it's several years later, Taiju and Yuzuriha get married, Ruri and Chrome are engaged, and Senku wants to build a time machine to prevent the petrification beam from ever happening. And this is where we stop stating facts and we get into opinions. Because remember, I'm Annie. I'm the one with good opinions. I thought it was cute where you ended this chapter on the day that the manga started five years ago like the exact day exact time <laughs> and you know, you recreate moments from chapter one you finish the taiju yuzuriha love story you do callbacks yada 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 i feel like this series could have benefited from maybe one or two more chapters but it was rushed so that it could end exactly on the day it started to make the whole time traveling motif work really well oh my god that's a fucking amazing if that's like the tie-in theme I love that. I honestly love that. It's like, this series is so well written. I mean, this is the writer of Aisha 21, right? Yes. Okay. I've never read that manga, but... They have a writer of Aisha 21, and the artist is a really well-known Korean artist named Boichi. So it's okay. It's it definitely the most unique. Like, if you read all the new manga starting on the Shonen Jump app, it's like, okay, this is very just generic. But Dr. Stone is like, yes, give me the texturing. I like the end of Dr. Dr. Stone. I don't think it's the best ending of all mangas, but I think for it, come on. When you read this premise and you see season one and two, you have no idea what the end of this series looks like. You can't even imagine what the end could be. And for it to be like parasitic machines, I don't even think it's even left field because the series has based it so much on reality, but you got to remember that it starts off with a very fantasy prompt. So the ending had to be in a fantasy realm and I just feel like even though it was like an interesting mechanical parasitic alien it was still more of a smart intelligently written ending don't get me wrong I like the ending I could stay up all night I could not think of a better ending than you know nano machines from Metal Gear Solid but I don't think it's not immune to some criticisms sure it's somewhat underwhelming like I think it's stupid one of the things that oh Treasure Island got petrified again because they was rubbing orbs on the sea shore and the antenna feathers sent that out to space oh yeah that was weird because one that wasn't a thing that was established that came out of nowhere that they rubbed orbs yeah unless it was unless we reread it and then like maybe maybe that's why the leader was bald because they kept rubbing that guy's head <laughs> i mean that is the arc where they introduced like not necessarily a telephone but they were able to like, communicate through like a wire not not necessarily like a literal wire but like an fbi kind of wire copper earrings but like those some stretches but that's fine that's not the thing I want to nitpick about Dr. Stone had the problem of introducing a million characters <laughs> and they all kind of ended a little disappointing but that's fine compared to I don't know why we're making a time machine because if you make a time machine and you save everyone that's half the people you know that helped you get to this point wiped out of existence because they were made via astronaut inbreeding. Yeah, I did think that was weird. I was like, wait, so Ruri and Chrome won't exist once you make your time machine? I don't know, maybe it's like worth it because I don't know how many people exist between the like Ishigami village and Treasure Island population, right? Or any like humans that were able to survive and create people that were never petrified. But that's gotta be way, way less than the 7 billion people that I mean, I guess so, but... It's kind of like a greater good kind of thing, but it's like... It's always that argument of like, 
would you save a hundred strangers or like one personal friend slash family member? I feel like it's like the grandfather effect because if you take out Ishigami Village to help Senku, well, I guess if you just save everyone from the get-go, you wouldn't have to get to that point. No, but you still have to get to the point where you made the time machine. Oh, I see what you're saying, that you can't be your own grandfather. Oh, that other paradox of if you go back in time, if you give someone a song, and in the future that person you gave the song to gave you that song, then who made the song? I mean, there's there's three theories when it comes to like time traveling stories, right? There's that one, there's like the singular where like this was all gonna happen no matter what, and then there's alternative. That's like the Dragon Ball way of doing yeah, things. Yeah, the branching timeline. I mean, who knows? Dr. Stone probably is going to do the singular where it just had to happen. Also, another thing is like, Tsukasa and Hiroga is like, oh, probably when the government starts up and running, we're going to go to prison. And Uki is like, I don't know. Well, Not okay, to be specific, they said they would be judged. Oh. And they've always said that, that this was going to be a thing that was going to happen once society got up and running. No, and I don't care about government. that. I care about Ukyo being like, once Senku makes his thing, maybe, you know. And it's like, do you know he's making a time machine? Because you had that whole panel of you shocked that he was making a time machine. Or did you think Senku was all off, you know, in the distance making like a morality machine? <laughs> A guillotine. Jeez. You know Gen was like the most popular character in Dr. Stone when the whole final chapter had mostly Gen. Yeah. I mean, I think of like all the characters, maybe he was the only one he could use to be like, that's still a little like world building in a sense. Could have also been Rusui. I think he could have played that role too. The idea of Senku making a time machine, I'm like 50% love it and 50% hate it. I mean, we kind of already talked about the 50% of why I hate it. Because it seems weird that you would just wipe out Home and Suika and Ruri and Kohaku. What I do love is that it does create the idea that science is still progressing. They still have things to do. Just because the story of Dr. Stone ends doesn't mean that the characters of Dr. Stone's lives ended. Dr. Stone is such a unique story. I have to just live with the fact that it deserves a very unique ending but it just felt kind of anticlimactic that everything kind of came easy to them it's like we spent a few years making a rocket we did it we went into space we talked to Y-Man for two chapters and then we went home and I know everything part of the manga builds up to this it just it wasn't the whole Naruto vs Sasuke moment I was looking for sure yeah it's the ending that makes sense but it's just not the flashiest ending not the typical Shonen Jump ending but it's not a bad ending yeah no way I would still rank this like a top anime ending like I think I would rank this like a little bit below Demon Slayer's ending Demon Slayer's or Dr. Stone I'm gonna keep it vague. I don't want to spoil everyone's shonen jump, right? Sure, sure. I mean, I would, I would just say Kane White is a more typical shonen jump ending. What are you, a weeb? I've read a lot of mangas. I am 100%. Dr. Stone is the more unique ending. I guess it kind of depends on where you are in life. Because I think if you want something different, then Dr. Stone is a good series. Like, for you and I who have seen so many endings i would almost say dr stone edges out demon slayers not a lot just a little just because it is different it is unique it makes sense and it basically ties up all its loose ends except maybe what the fuck happened to ray i thought for sure when they were gonna go to space they would meet ray um you think people are gonna read byakuya zero it's 
nine chapters. It's the second half is much better than the first half, and it's so cute. Like the ending is so cute. I think Doctor Stone ending is ten times better than Promise Neverland because they both promised a very smart manga in the beginning, and only Doctor Stone delivered a smart ending. Oh yeah, I mean Promise Neverland one was pretty predictable. And we're not talking about the anime. We're talking about the manga. Did the anime have a different ending? Like, is there no season three? There's no season three. The anime ending is supposed to be quote unquote original, but it's just slightly very different. Now we gotta watch that still. I mean, yeah. We're not excited about Promise Neverland Season 2. <laughs> no spoilers. But, so, a highly recommended series for anyone. Yeah, because, like, we left out a lot of things. Like, I would say Doctor Stone, what's great about it is mostly how they create things and the characters. And the fact that we didn't talk about any of the characters make this story a very enjoyable to read. Um, the journey that Doctor Stone takes you on, because most series gets overly complicated towards the end, and it's kind of like, wait, I don't, I don't really get how it gets from A to B. But Dr. Stone, look, every invention has a roadmap. This story, it has a very clear roadmap of how to get from, like, A to Z. And the fact that, like, I was able to go along and bring, like, a very, like, in a nutshell summary of what happened because it's just a well-written series. It's so easy to follow. I mean, I don't remember all the details, obviously, but I'm not going to remember how you make sulfuric acid. Very good series. This is a series so important to me and Annie that we had to make a bonus episode to just talk about the ending, its greatness, somewhat fallings, but overall it being such a fantastic end to a series. Also, to be fair, like, I said, this is kind of underwhelming. What's my final battle? As if the Stone Wars battle was any good. To be fair, war arcs are not your favorite type of endings. And I think sometimes it can get drawn out. Like Naruto, Bleach. Dragon Ball didn't have a war arc, but I didn't really care for the Boo saga. So, yeah. Not flashy, but it makes sense. And it's good enough. Not flashy, but it's logical. Which is honestly... That's all Dr. Stone in one sense. And I look forward to Boichi being a crazy mad lad and moving on to the next manga. He will, you know, chooses. If he ever stops making One Piece one shot. Excuse me, so you're thinking about the Food War guy. Is it the Food Who's drawing Aces? Oh my god, that is him. He w Yes, okay. You go back to drawing for One Piece and you draw Senku saving Ace. Oh god. Alright, and with that, I'm one millimeter away from ending this podcast.